get into our study. Um, as we can see, the Lord is continuing to instruct his disciples as they prepare for their uh, next leg of the journey to Jerusalem. Uh, we see here in verse 11 of chap- uh, chapter 17 that that's exactly uh, the next uh, point that we are going to study as the Lord and his disciples are going to continue to travel toward Jerusalem. And uh, what we've been looking at is what uh, the Lord had been teaching his disciples and um, time is short and there is still very very much that these men need to uh, learn uh, before the Lord is uh, taken away from them Uh, we saw in Luke 17 1 through 2 uh, where we read about uh, the Lord instructing his disciples to be careful uh, not to give offense and we saw that the word there was was the word holiness having a holy um, um, attitude Attitude about ourselves, Jesus was stressing the grave responsibility to his disciples about uh, living uh, your life in such a way uh, that your behavior, that your words, even your attitude uh, may not lead uh, another uh, into sin or even possibly uh, keep someone from coming to Christ because uh, uh, because you're uh, because you're being offensive. Um, that those who would be his disciples should aspire to live a holy life before God and men, uh, rather than a scandalous life. And we learn that the word offense is uh, where is the Greek word that that we get the word scandal. So we don't want to live a scandalous life and cause others to fall into a sinful lifestyle. Moving on in Luke um, 17 through through 4, Jesus uh, instructed his uh, disciples to take no offense, but be willing to forgive. And the key word there was charity. And um, being easily offended, you know, uh, having a a thin skin about some things, uh, this may be a symptom of uh, simply having an immature love. And an immature love is a love that's more focused on, you know, me, myself, and I, uh, more focused on, um, you know, my feelings and and, uh, my ego, and instead of really focusing on those things that are, are true, Truly, really important. Uh, I quoted 1 Peter 4.8, uh, and above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, um, that uh, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. And um, so charity is the key verse here. Uh, as I said before, immature love, it's all about me, uh, while mature love, uh, that, per- that perfected love, uh, that love of Christ, uh, seeks after reconciliation, uh, keeps the unity. Uh, Colossians 3, um, Paul talks about that bond of perfectness that uh, comes from having a heart of charity. And then uh, finally, we finished up with Luke 17, 5 through 6, uh, where uh, the disciples asked the Lord or requested of the Lord that he would increase their faith. And I personally believe that this is a response uh, after listening what the Lord had taught them uh, about offenses and trespasses and forgivenesses. I think um, they recognize that, wow, you know, this is a pretty high standard that the Lord is setting. And and in order for us to, to live this standard, we need a booster shot in our faith. And it wasn't so much an increase of faith that uh, these disciples needed, but rather it was a uh, higher quality of faith, uh, 
life is in the seed that we're taught in the Bible. And like that tiny mustard seed that has the uh, potential in it to become a very large uh, tree, uh, Christ uh, is looking for a faith that uh, produces evidence of this life, this potential, uh, that it would live up to its potential that's there. And I gave some examples to you, such as the centurion uh, with his servants and how he approached the Lord in the matter and and the woman who pressed through the crowd just to touch his hymn, the hymn of his garment, knowing that if she could just do that, she would be saved. These are uh, folks who had that mustard seed of faith. And because of that mustard seed of faith, it produced that that fruit of faith. Uh, They actually uh, lived out what they professed that they believed. So now we come to the the fourth item uh, that uh, the Lord is instructing his disciples in, and uh, that's found right here in Luke 17, uh, verses 7 through 10, I believe. So uh, I'll go ahead and read that, and then we'll get started in our study. He says, But which of you, having a servant plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him by and by, when he has come from the field, Go and sit down to meet, and will not rather say unto him, Make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself, and serve me till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. Doth he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not, or in other words, I think not. So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all these things which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants, we have done that which it was our duty to do. Uh, Lord God in heaven, as we come to you now, Lord, to look at this passage, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts to its teaching, Father, that you would help us, Lord, uh, to adopt the right servant's attitude in all things that we do. I thank you, Lord, for what you have shown me. I pray, Lord God, that uh, uh, I would be able to to share it in such a way uh, that these folks would be able to grasp it, that they would be able to understand it, and by it, Father, uh, live their lives to your glory and honor. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, uh, Father, for the hope that he has given to us, and uh, we look forward to the day, Lord, when we see him face to face, Father. We thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Now, um, the point of this illustration, I mean, when you first read it, it sounds pretty harsh, doesn't it? Uh, but the point of this illustration is is not to teach us about um, the attitude that God uh, may have uh toward his servants, or or this is the attitude that God has uh, toward his servants. That's not the point that the Lord is making here. Uh, the point that the Lord is making here is, what is my attitude uh, in my service to God? What is my attitude uh, when I do those things that uh, is expected of me, or those things that uh, I serve the Lord by? And to me, the key here is is humility, uh, one having uh, an attitude of humility. This is in um, stark contrast uh, to the attitude of the Pharisees uh, regarding their service to God. Um, the majority of the Pharisees uh, tended to operate from the mindset of, of merit and, and reward. 
Uh, they believed that their service was uh, to be recompensed by God. Uh, in other words, uh, they served believing that God would uh, do right by them because of their service. And uh, unfortunately, some folks do serve God with this same kind of mindset, as if God is indebted to them in some way because of their service. And and th- and Jesus is saying that is not that's not the case here. That's not that's not the right attitude to approach our our service to the Lord. So the majority of the uh, the Pharisees uh, tended to operate from the mindset of merit and reward. Uh, they believe that uh, their service was to be recompensed. Uh, that uh, what they did then then God was obligated, if you will, uh, to um, reward that service. And uh, the Pharisees were very very mindful of um, one other thing as far as their service was concerned, uh, which is the opposite of, of humility, is that uh, they wanted to be seen of men. They wanted everybody to see how pious they were. They wanted to see. They wanted everybody to see how uh, devoted to God they were. Uh, Matthew six verses one through eighteen talks about their prayer life and and their giving of alms, and they did all of this so that they would be seen of men. That's the wrong attitude to have in your service to God. Uh, so the key attitude uh, in one's service to God is to nurture an attitude of of humility, uh, uh, surrendering yourself uh, to His service, and it's it's the heart in our service that God sees. It is the heart in our service that God is pleased with, and that's so that's why it's very very important uh, that we maintain this. So what I did was is I got. Uh, my strongs out and I started searching uh, the word serve and service and what I did was is I came up with a, a little Bible study about um, service and so I call this uh, the circle of service I, I don't know if that's a, a good name for it uh, but um, as I was studying through this I, I noticed a, a pattern if you will and so that's what I want to talk to you about uh, this morning is is this circle of service about our attitude of service now if you will turn to Ephesians chapter 6 uh, f- uh, starting in verse 5 and many of you probably have already headed there but in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 5 gives us our first point as far as our service is concerned and that is we ought to s- we serve as unto the Lord we serve as unto the Lord so in Matthew uh, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 5 Uh, We read, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, and singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will during service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever uh, good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. Uh, companion verse would be found in Colossians chapter 3, uh, verses 22 through 24, that says, Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. 
Um, honestly, and I, I know you guys know this, in the Christian life, all things end and begin with the Lord, whether it's a ministry you're involved with, or your marriage, or raising children, even even your your jobs out in the out in the world. All of you know, for the Christian, the whole reason why you do what you do is for the is for the Lord's sake. It's because you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, whether it's in the secular workplace or it's the, or it's a ministry at the church, uh, the one we truly serve is the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you stop and think about it, when it's all said and done, you know, uh, I'm not going to answer to uh, Brian for my service when everything is said and done. And I'm not going to answer to a, a supervisor on a job site when everything's said and done. No, the one person that I will uh, give an account to at the end of everything is the Lord Jesus Christ. So I better be sure that whatsoever I do, I'm doing it for the Lord's sake. Now, notice the two watchouts that Paul mentions here in this passage. He says, not with eye service or as men pleasers. Uh, see the risk here is that um, some of us, uh, you know, we don't want our service uh, to be more about impressing others uh, and in focusing on pleasing men. Uh, we want to make sure that we keep our focus right, uh, that why we do what we do is, is for the glory of God. We, we're, the one that we want to please is, is God. I service is, uh, to me, just the opposite of doing it hardly as to the Lord, um, and that you will um, do enough just to get by. I know you folks have worked with folks that, uh, as, uh, you know, when the boss is on the site, uh, that individual is just working, and in fact, he's probably outworking everybody else. But as soon as that boss leaves the site, he puts his shovel down and he and he kicks back and re, and he relax and, and and we just don't want to serve God that way. Um, to serve the Lord, uh, to serve Him heartily, is uh, is that willingness to go the the extra distance. We don't want to adopt the attitude of well that's that's good enough for the government type of, of attitude in our service to God. Um, there's a fella who helps clean the church. He gets in there in, in the sanctuary and he vacuums the sanctuary you know pretty much that's all that's that's really required but this individual goes the extra step and he makes sure that all the rows in the sanctuary are straight or as straight as can be see that's that's a that's a willingness to go that extra step and in, in, in service to God uh, also sometimes you know our earthly bosses or, or the pastor they may not see everything that we do they may not see that extra step but you know who does see it? The Lord sees it. The Lord sees those little extra things that you, you put into your service for him. He, he recognizes all of that stuff. Um, Ephesians 6.8 says, Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. I appreciate that last part of the verse, whether he be bond or free. So whether you're a boss or you're just a, a, a peon or you know somebody who's a who's a grunt. God sees your service. He rewards those who are faithful. And again, it's not that, it's not that uh, 
merit thing. It's just that God appreciates uh, someone who is willing to serve him from a, from their heart. Uh, the Lord also uh, <laughs> looks at the slacker as well. In Colossians 3.25, But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. So the point of all this is, is that God sees your service. He sees your heart. He sees what you're doing for him, and he takes note of all of that stuff. So uh, the place to begin as far as our service is concerned is with the Lord. So I don't have a whiteboard, so there it is. You start you start with the Lord. That's, the, that's where it always starts. So the second point is uh, we serve with love. We serve with love. Uh, in Galatians uh, 5.13 is the, is the verse. In Galatians 5.13 it says, For brethren, you have been called unto liberally, liberty. Uh, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. By love serve one another. So it begins with love for Christ. That's your whole motive, your whole reason. Uh, Christ is preeminent in your life. And so if we serve uh, out of love for Christ, then what will naturally follow? is that we will serve one another in love. Uh, Warren Wiersbe, uh, who uh, passed away uh, this year, uh, said, Ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. Now, a channel uh, is a means of transporting supplies and goods from one destination uh, to another. So that's what we want to be. We want to be channels of God's love to others. Uh, You know, simply put, if you think about this, uh, when you serve and love, what are you doing? You're fulfilling the great commandment, aren't you? Uh, Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven through 40 says, uh, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. <clears throat> Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Uh, one of the ways uh, we can fulfill this commandment is by serving one another in love. Uh, because we love God, uh, we serve others in love. Uh, This is the way we can be those channels of love uh, that supply God's grace to others. Uh, Paul, speaking about the Philippian, not the Philippian church, but the church in Thessalonica, uh, he wrote, as he sat down to write this epistle to the Thessalonians, in verse 3, this is what he wrote, he says, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love. Uh, Paul commended this church for their labor of love and service to each other as well as their service to him and as well as as their service to those uh, whom they would share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, to me this is a sign of a, of a healthy church uh, when the body labors together in love uh, for the Lord and for others this is a sign of a healthy church uh, Paul, uh, Paul also wrote in Hebrews 6.10 he says for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which you have showed toward his name and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister uh, so there again you see that connection of, of ministry and service and love as you labor and love for other folks you know um, 
people have a tendency to forget those moments uh, when uh, people have ministered to them out of love, uh, but the Lord never forgets. Uh, he keeps good books about such matters, and it's it's wonderful to think that God doesn't forget our labor of love. Now, that also, uh, so what we have is we've got this, then we've got the Lord, and we have love. Now, I apologize for that, but I just want you to, to see this. Uh, the, so this brings us to the next point. And uh, if you'll turn to Philippians chapter 2 and verse 17, uh, the next point is that uh, we serve with sacrifice. We serve with sacrifice. Uh, anyone who has ever served in any capacity at all, uh, you're going to quickly realize that uh, there is a sacrifice involved, uh, whether it's uh, time or it's money or whatever it is, uh, there is sacrifice involved. In Philippians 2.17, uh, this is what Paul wrote. He said, Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. Uh, later, uh, Paul uh, mentions um, uh, the fellow by the name of Epaphroditus. Uh, this uh, man, Epaphroditus, was also one who uh, sacrificed uh, in his service. He sacrificed in his service to see to it that um, uh, the church that he came from, Colossae, uh, he brought this gift to Paul, and uh, he uh, put his life on the line. He put his health on the line. And that's what Paul says here in Philippians 2.30. He says, because for the work of Christ, service of Christ, he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life, to supply your lack of service toward me. Um, again, if there's if anybody has been involved in service at any kind of level, uh, you understand this this aspect of, of personal sacrifice in your service. Uh, again, whether it is your time, whether it is uh, the sweat of your brow, um, whatever it is, it always asks something of you to sacrifice. And quite frankly, Frankly, I know that some of you understand this, but um, there are times in service that uh, something is asked of us that we can't always afford to give, but yet we still go ahead and do it. We still go ahead and offer that service of sacrifice to these folks, and we willingly uh, just do it. We just willingly sacrifice ourselves for that situation. Uh, Paul loved the churches. Uh, he willingly sacrificed himself uh, to meet their needs. Uh, he wanted to see them grow to become edified in Christ. Uh, read passages such as 2 Corinthians 6, uh, verses 3 through 10. <clears throat> Again, in the same epistle, chapter 11, 23 to 28. And see what Paul sacrificed because of his love for the churches, because of his love for the people of God. Uh, he gave up a lot. He gave up a lot. Uh, Epaphroditus, again, he was a man who put his health on the line in order to serve Paul to be that channel of love, right, uh, that was mentioned earlier to provide the, this gracious gift that the church in Colossae had uh, to help Paul while he was in prison. And I want to say one more thing about sacrifice. Uh, in regards to uh, sacrifices, um, there is no such thing as a partial sacrifice. Uh, in the Old Testament, when a sacrifice was offered, 
it wasn't uh, a portion of the life of the uh, of the animal that was offered I'm, I don't know how you could even do that but it was the whole life of the, of the uh, animal that was offered so there's no such thing as a partial sacrifice it's the giving of the life it's the total giving of the life and when I thought of that it reminded me of what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 where he says I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice the whole life not just part of it, the whole life, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Uh, Paul's reasoning is is really quite simple here. Uh, If you've read everything that he had written prior to chapter 12, all the things that he had taught about their salvation, all the things that he had taught about the grace of God, all the things that he had taught about what Jesus had done on our behalf, he says to these believers, he says to us that being a living sacrifice to him is not only acceptable unto God, but it is our reasonable service to God. So that's that's the other point. It's the point of sacrifice. So we've got the Lord, love, and sacrifice. The next thing is, uh, as I was looking through here and, and studying what it had to say about service, I came across this one in 2 Timothy 1.3. In 2 Timothy 1.3, uh, Paul writes, I thank God whom I served for my forefathers with a pure conscience, that without ceasing I remember to thee in my prayers night and day. So a pure conscience is is how we are to serve the Lord. Apologize, I'm writing this down. (laughs) A pure conscience. Um, uh, When a sacrifice was offered, in the Old Testament, uh, it was to be free of blemish. It wasn't to be lame. It wasn't to be missing an eye or anything like that. Because if it was blemished, then it would uh, disqualify it uh, as an offering unto the Lord. So the expectation was this. Uh, when you offered your offering, it was to be the best of the flock. Right? It was to be the, the best of the flock. There should be no blemish in it. So I got to thinking, I said, what would blemish uh, my service to God? What, what would blemish, uh, you know, make my service to God, uh, you know, lame? <laughs> um, well, uh, doing so maybe with the expectation of praise from men. That's what we looked at in Ephesians and Colossians. Uh, maybe serving and resenting uh, the time and the effort and the sacrifice involved, you know, grumbling and complaining about it, uh, that would be a, a blemish, maybe. Or how about um, being resentful toward others uh, who may not be willing to serve, or maybe uh, they're not uh, serving at the level that you serve or I serve. You know, so I'm thinking that these are things that might uh, blemish our our service to the Lord. It's not really serving with a pure conscience, is it? Uh, again, remember what Ephesians 6, 5 says, servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ. Uh, the word uh, singleness of your heart that word singleness uh, means to serve with sincerity. It means to serve with honesty, uh, to be free from any 
pretense or hypocrisy. So there's your pure conscience. Uh, there is the idea of um, serving with a genuine uh, openness, uh, a genuine generosity, a, a bountifulness of spirit that's free from any kind of hidden agendas or, or ill feelings or uh, seeking accolades from others. This is that, that pure conscience in our service. Uh, this also harkens back uh, to the teaching about uh, not being an offense to others and that you might cause someone to stumble in their faith because of a sinful lifestyle, an open sinful lifestyle that one may be involved in. Uh, especially if you're you know, at the forefront in ministry or something like that, uh, you need to set the right example. You need to be a good example for others. Now, I understand uh, none of us are perfect right? Um, Honestly, if we had to be perfect before we could minister, I think that would probably disqualify about 99% of us, or maybe 99.9% of us. Uh, But if we're indulging in an unrepentant sin uh, that would bring blame to the ministry, uh, this is not serving uh, God with a pure conscience either. We just, we want to keep our our, uh, noses clean, if you will, before the Lord. In 1 John 3.19, it says, and hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. And that's really what we want. We want to have that, you know, that heart that uh, has confidence toward God in our service toward with him or uh, for him. Uh, we, we don't want anything up there rattling around that's causing uh, issues and uh, so, you know, we want to serve the Lord with a, with a pure conscience. Uh, and honestly, you know, we know what those things are. Uh, the Holy Spirit talks to us. Uh, you know, he speaks to us about these things. And it's really best if we, if we listen to what the Spirit is saying. And go ahead and, and clear that matter up so that we can serve the Lord with a pure conscience. So there you have it. You've got love, sacrifice, and a pure conscience. Um, the next thing, excuse me as I drink the, my, I got a dry throat. Apologize for that. The next thing is um, a proper attitude of heart. Uh, a proper attitude of heart. Can you start seeing how these things are kind of connected together about our service? Uh, kind of like a, a, a circle or a chain, how they're each um, related to each other. So having a proper attitude of heart uh, is, is, uh, is, is, is good. Hang on a second. I do the same thing in class. Um, if we put Christ first in our service... And we are motivated by our love for him to serve others. Uh, Then we will be willing to sacrifice. And also we will want to keep our consciences clean. And what this will do will help to nurture a proper uh, attitude of heart in our serving. So we can see how all of this uh, kind of fits together. Uh, The verse for this is found in Romans chapter 6, chapter 7 and verse 6. He says here in Romans chapter 7 and verse 6, But now we are delivered from the law, that being dead wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit, uh, newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Newness of spirit. That's where I got that proper attitude of heart. 
Um, honestly, there are some folks, and uh, my heart goes out to them, uh, but they make uh, serving uh, the Lord more of a duty, uh, more of a chore, uh, more of a burden, uh, rather than uh, an expression of their love, an expression of their appreciation, uh, because they serve a good God. You know, uh, there are folks that in in service they don't have a a proper heart attitude. We used to call it a stinky attitude at one time, but uh, folks like this have a tendency to just suck the life and the joy from service uh, because they turn it into a business or a, or a chore or a task or a duty. Uh, this is uh, where that work and merit concept begins to creep into one's attitude about serving God. Uh, then you start begrudging your service to God. It's more of a have to rather than a want to type of attitude in serving. No, we want we want to have a proper maintain a proper ma- uh, attitude of heart uh, in our service to the Lord. Uh, Ephesians chapter two, uh, eight through ten. I know you guys know this passage. It says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Um, One old-time preacher uh, and I'm talking old-time preacher back uh, in the 1800s, um, in commenting on this attitude and service uh, that uh, that we as a believer should have, who have been saved <coughs> by grace, uh, um, their attitude toward their service. Uh, this is what he said: uh, Those who have been saved by grace, uh, their service for Christ must come from a willingness that has been nurtured upon the breast of grace <laughs> a bit a bit eloquent perhaps but I, I think there's a lot of truth there I think there's a lot of truth there um, you know since God has shown us grace uh, we should have that same attitude of heart that same attitude of grace in our service uh, Charles Spurgeon taught if we give God service it must be because he gives us grace we work for him because he works in us, right? So it's it, we should have a, that attitude of grace, that proper heart attitude of grace in our service. Second uh, Timothy 3.18 says, But uh, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, to him be glory both now and forever. Amen. You know, when we think of God's grace, we think of it as as God's uh, unmerited favor uh, to those who don't deserve His favor, and this is absolutely true. This is this is a good definition of grace. <coughs> but grace is also God's influence in our lives. Uh, that's why we grow in grace. It's His influence in His life, in our life. And so, as God's grace influences our life then this same grace uh, should influence our service to the Lord. So that's having that proper heart attitude. It's a gracious heart attitude in our service uh, that that should be there. Um, The offerings in the 
Old Testament that uh, gave the Lord the most pleasure uh, were the free will offerings uh, of the people. Uh, they had this attitude of gratitude. They wanted to give. Um, we would refer to this as a gracious attitude today. Uh, this same attitude is what makes our service a sweet savor unto God. So, so it's a proper, a proper attitude of heart an attitude of grace in our service to God uh, that uh, should uh, should be a part of our service. Um, on top of that, uh, along with all of uh, love and and sacrifice, and and, and all of this uh, proper heart attitude, uh, it also comes. Uh, we should serve uh, with uh, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Uh, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Uh, Romans chapter 14, verses 16 through 18 is uh, the passage that we want to go to. And so uh, righteousness, let me write that down, Uh, peace and joy. Romans uh, 14, starting in verse 16, he says, Let not then your good be evil spoken of. Uh, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, uh, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. So there you see that connection with righteousness, peace, and joy uh, with our service to God. it is possible to do a good thing in a wrong way. Boy, oh boy, do I know that. Uh, it is possible to do a good thing in a wrong way. Uh, of course, the context of this passage in Romans uh, is the issue of eating meat offered to idols, uh, if it were acceptable uh, for a believer to do so or not. Also, the observance of uh, certain days was an was a issue of contention with some of these folks. But the point is still the same. Uh, You know, we can do the right thing, uh, but we can do it in the wrong way. There were those who believed because of grace and because of the liberty that they had in Christ that that they could eat that meat that was offered to idols. Uh, They they, uh, didn't have any issues with it in their conscience. Uh, But the problem was this. Uh, They weren't taking into consideration uh, those whose consciences uh, would not allow them to eat the meat. Uh, Their their consciences would not allow them to, to partake in something that they thought uh, was uh, you know was uh, contrary, to, uh, sinful in their eyes, so they couldn't eat of the meat. So what was going on is those who were uh, at liberty were critical of those whose uh, conscience didn't permit them, uh, didn't give them this liberty. And those whose consciences would not allow them to have this liberty, uh, they became critical of those who did have this liberty. Uh, Bottom line, it was a matter of conscience. Uh, The one whose conscience gave them liberty to eat the meat was not to be offensive. Remember what Paul, uh, what uh, Jesus had taught earlier? Uh, They were not to be offensive in their liberty uh, toward those whose conscience would not allow them to eat the meat. They were to think of the other person's uh, conscience. And so therefore, uh, they were not, they were to be careful not to be an offense. Uh, And those whose consciences limited them in their liberty, uh, they were not to cast judgment on those who had this liberty. 
liberty, who didn't have these limitations uh, of conscience about the matter. So Paul writes in Romans 14, in verse 19 through 21, he says this. He says, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. For meat destroy not the work of God. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. It is good neither to eat flesh, nor to drink wine, nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth, or is offended, or is made weak. Now, quite honestly, and I know you folks know this, in ministry, you're going to come across uh, folks from all sorts of uh, backgrounds that have all sorts of personal preferences. Uh, you know these these things that they they have about them. Uh, some uh, may not participate in this, uh, while others uh, have a personal conviction about that. And so uh, we just need to be very sensitive to these things, and we should uh, pursue peace. In our service with these with folks, uh, and don't make these differences of preferences, these differences of of opinion, the main issue. I don't know how many times I have seen a relatively innocuous issue become the main point in 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 uh, among people, and it just simply disrupts their service for the Lord because they make this 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 preference uh, into the into a big issue that it should never have should never have become uh, if it's clearly not a doctrinal issue such as uh, the the denial of the deity of Christ or his virgin birth or salvation by if it's not a if it's not a doctrinal issue if it's a, if it's a matter of personal preference or a difference of opinion then you know then ex- then accept that just leave it there and and seek to serve together in righteousness and peace and and joy in the holy ghost don't allow these things to disrupt our service before the Lord. The main thing is to serve the Lord with grace for one another and preserve that unity and don't allow these differences of opinion, these preferences uh, to create schisms in the body. I mean, some folks think it's okay to drink coffee. Other folks don't think it's okay to drink coffee. Believe me, whether one drinks coffee or doesn't drink coffee, that should not be such an issue that it's going to disrupt someone's service for the Lord. So again, uh, you know, we want to serve with righteousness, uh, peace, and joy. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Don't let these uh, differences of opinion and preferences uh, be a disruption in service. Uh, Now we also come to another point, um, um, and that is to serve faithfully. To serve faithfully. Uh, Proverbs 20, uh, verse 6 says, Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. So we want to serve faithfully. Faithfully. All right? You ask any pastor, you ask any ministry leader, uh, and I can almost guarantee... Uh, that the one thing that they're looking for, the one thing that they appreciate most and those that uh, they serve with and serve for is uh, faithfulness. 
uh, folks who are faithful in their service. Uh, for instance, um, in Word First, uh, the faithfulness of the people to show up and to assemble the Bibles and to run those machines, uh, the folks who are uh, life issues, the, the ones who show up uh, faithfully uh, every Tuesday, every Friday. What a great, you know, they, they're just appreciated. Uh, the leadership just appreciates faithfulness in people. First uh, Corinthians 4 1 says, Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards uh, that a man be found faithful. Uh, To be faithful in your service. If uh, a date to come clean the church, you know, be faithful. Show up and and clean the church. Uh, If you're going, if you're going, if you're telling somebody that you're going to help them in the kitchen to serve a meal, be faithful. Show up. Uh, Help that person to serve a meal in the kitchen. Whatever it is that that, uh, uh, you're serving in, uh, strive to be faithful. Tried to be faithful in that ministry. I honestly believe that uh, this faithfulness uh, will be one of those things that uh, we will give an account of at the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, our faithfulness in our service to the Lord, uh, when we were asked to do something, or if there was a certain expectation, uh, were we faithful in carrying out this expectation? Were we faithful in showing up when we said we would? Uh, you know, this is uh, this is a, a part of Abraham. Uh, Uh, that uh, the Lord loved about Abraham. He loved Abraham, his friend, because of his faithfulness. In Genesis 18, 19, uh, this is what the Lord said about Abraham. He says, For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. It was the faithfulness of Abraham uh, that uh, the Lord was pleased with, and that's why he called him his friend. Um, again, if you put the Lord first, uh, you'll want to be faithful in your service to him. Uh, your faithfulness uh, will be a way to manifest your, your love for him and your love for his people. So be faithful in your service. First uh, Corinthians 4, uh, 17, he says, For this cause have I sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son, and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring, unto you, bring you into remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. What a joy it was for Paul to have faithful men such as Timothy and Titus and Tychicus, I think is how his name is pronounced. Uh, these were men that he could trust uh, to carry out the gospel and he could trust uh, to minister to the, to the churches as, as he would minister to. Uh, what a joy we could be to the Lord and what a joy we could be to our pastors and to our ministry leaders uh, when we prove ourselves faithful in those things that they ask of us and in our service uh, to the Lord. Uh, yet this, uh, this faithfulness uh, in service goes, goes deeper uh, than just being loyal to the leadership in the church or even being loyal to the Great Commission. Uh, our faithfulness 
uh, should be to the head of the church, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, right? Uh, Again, that's where it all starts. Really, that is where our faithfulness should lie. It should lie in our faithfulness to the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church. Ephesians 5.23 says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. You know, I learned an important lesson about ministry uh, some time back, and it was this. I will be faithful uh, to a man's leadership, whether he's a pastor or he's a ministry leader or he's an uh, an ABF teacher. Uh, I'll be faithful to a man's leadership as long as that man is faithful to Christ as the head of the church. Okay, But when that man is no longer faithful to Christ as the head of the church, right, uh, that's where my loyalties end. Uh, if that man starts saying, this is my ministry, or this is my church, then that's uh, from, uh, a reason for me to begin questioning this individual. So uh, that's, you know, that's something that I, in my own heart, that's something that I have learned. Uh, I praise God for our pastor. I praise God for the men who are laboring beside him. Uh, all, I believe, are sincerely following the Lord as the head of the church. I, to my knowledge, none of them are seeking to usurp this headship of Christ in the church. None of these men are seeking to create a following uh, for themselves. Uh, as far as I know, uh, these men uh, have submitted themselves uh, to the headship of Christ in the church and this is how they serve um, are they perfect no uh, these men are subject to like passions as as, as we are <clears throat> and, uh, and because of their positions uh, they are, are targets of the enemy uh, you know but as far as I uh, far as far as I'm concerned uh, what I've seen so far uh, none of these men are, are seeking or serving out of any kind of uh, self-glory or, or wanting to create their own following. Uh, from my understanding, from the way I see it, they all are submitted to the headship of Christ in their service to, to our church. Uh, so we need to pray for these men. Uh, we need to pray for these men uh, who are in leadership. We need to pray for these men as they uh, wrestle with the decisions that they have to make, uh, wrestle with the uh, as they uh, get the vision from God as far as our church is concerned. We need to be faithful in our service to them uh, by praying for them, by praying for them. So we so we so we serve faithfully. And then the last uh, thing that I'm going to bring up because I'm running out of time as usual is that uh, we need to serve uh, respectful, respectful uh, uh, for the ones that uh, we are serving and uh, for the ones that we serve with. Uh, Here again, this is where the study comes full circle. Okay, the Lord's in the center and all of these things are orbiting around the Lord, circling around the Lord. Um, 
whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, uh, with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ. So there should be some respect. We should respect the ones we are serving. We should respect the ones uh, that we serve with. And that's my first point. Uh, there should be mutual respect uh, for each other as we co-labor together. In 1 Timothy 5.1, Paul writes, Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren, uh, the elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters, with all purity. Be respectful. Just be respectful. Uh, In serving together, there will be times of differences of opinion. Uh, There will be disagreements about the way something should be done. Uh, There may even result in some personality clashes. Uh, But nothing should be done, nothing should be said uh, that is not respectful of your brother or sister in Christ. They all have uh, the same spirit of God dwelling in them as you do. So there should be an attitude of respect uh, toward others. In Philippians 4 verses uh, 2 through 3, uh, we read, I beseech you, Yodius, and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. I think this may have been uh, the situation here with uh, these two women, uh, both obviously faithful servants, uh, both highly regarded by Paul and the church, but they were allowing some difference to uh, disrupt their unity in the church. Uh, You know, sometimes uh, pettiness uh, gets the upper hand. Uh, This is nothing more than uh, just simply being spiteful. It's it's a manifestation of one's own self-importance. And instead of unity in service, what happens is there is competition in service. As one personality competes against another, There should be a mutual respect for one another in these things. I love what Paul says here to the church. Uh, This is not a time to take sides. It's a time to join together. It's a time to help these women uh, so that they together can serve the Lord, so that they together can glorify God being of one mind. Set aside those competitive attitudes and respect one another. Recognize each and each other uh, the particular gifts that God has given you and rejoice in those things. Um, notice how also he interjects that all of these folks' names are in the book of life. Uh, sometimes uh, the foibles of this current life uh, seem to cause us to forget about this fact that uh, one of these days we're all going to share together an eternal life in heaven. And I say this uh, tongue-in-cheek, it it may be that the person who gets under your skin uh, may end up being your next-door neighbor in heaven. So, you know, kind of work these things out and just have respect for one another. Uh, Also, uh, we should respect those whom God has called to be our pastors. Uh, Hebrews uh, 13.7 says, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, who 
whose faith follow, uh, considering the end of their conversation. Again, he goes on in verse 17 of Hebrews 13. He says, Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves. Uh, For they watch for your souls, as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that that is unprofitable for you. Uh, Our pastor constantly uh, gives testimony from the pulpit that he is very much aware that uh, he will be held accountable to the Lord and how he pastors the the church there at at Heartland. You know, so many men, I've heard so many men give lip service to this, uh, but yet they don't truly live it out. But I believe that our pastor not only uh, believes this, but he, he lives it out. He actually puts it into practice. Uh, to me, this is uh, when you don't respect uh, a leader or you don't respect a pastor, uh, to me, this is often a, a trust issue on uh, on, the, on uh, God's people. Uh, they show no respect to the pastor uh, because they have no confidence uh, in his calling uh, by God to be, uh, to be such. Sometimes it's a pride issue. Uh, There are some who make great armchair pastors. And uh, they're always thinking that it should have been done this way. Or if it was up to them to make the decision, then they would have called that decision this way. They're always questioning uh, what the pastor is doing. They're always questioning uh, the decisions that the pastor makes. Uh, Honestly, uh, this type of person, they don't know what the pastor may know. Uh, They don't know what's going on behind the scenes that may have caused them to make a decision or to act in in this way. Uh, So we just need to trust in the Lord in this matter, that God is leading them in these matters. In 1 Timothy 5.17, it says, Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in in the word and doctrine. Honestly, just because a man is a pastor it doesn't make them infallible uh, but if the if the heart of the pastor is true to the word of God uh, if, if, if he has his uh, congregation's spiritual well-being uppermost in his mind uh, if he's not involved in some sort of uh, sin that would bring shame to the ministry if he's proven himself uh, faithful to the Lord uh, submitting himself to the headship of, of Christ in the church uh, honestly a pastor like that is, is worthy of respect and we should be very very thankful to have such a pastor and then finally uh, the last thing as far as uh, respectfully uh, serving the Lord uh, here is where it comes full circle right back to the Lord we should reverence Christ as Lord (laughs) we should reverence Christ as Lord it begins with the preeminence of Christ in our service And it finds its perfection in our reverence to Christ as our Lord. 1 Peter 1.17 says, And if ye call on the Father who without respect of persons judges according to every man's work, he says, Pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. Hebrews 12.28 says, Wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Psalms chapter 2 verse 11 says, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. You know, we rejoice in Christ being our Savior. 
but yet we resist submitting ourselves to Christ as our Lord. We need to reverence Christ as our Lord. And this may be the issue uh, as far as our service is concerned. Uh, It may be because we don't reverence him as our Lord. Uh, We don't value his lordship uh, in our life enough to, to... place him in first place in our life. Uh, This may be the reason why uh, the love of many have drawn cold toward him. Uh, It may be because this may be the reason why uh, pride has entered into many people's uh, service is because they don't uh, reverence uh, Christ as their Lord. Uh, They lack the reverence for Christ to to be a living sacrifice uh, for Christ uh, which is their acceptable and reasonable service before God. It could be their conscience is not pure because they don't uh, respect Jesus as their as the Lord of their life. They don't fear God enough to, to live a holy life. Of course, this will affect their attitude in, in service with one another. Uh, and they they won't serve God because there's no short-term game for them. It's all about reverencing Christ as our Lord. Uh, as far as serving in righteousness and peace and joy, uh, that uh, th- those things, uh, we do just the opposite. Uh, we become disruptive. We become discontent. Uh, we become the epicenter of issues in the ministry uh, simply because we do not respect God enough uh, to uh, serve him with reverence, to serve him in fear. And at best, our faithfulness may be spotty at best because we don't have this this respect or this this fear of God that we should have. So that's our that's your first circle of full circle of service right there. All of these things, of course, uh, center upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And what is your heart attitude toward him? Now, going back to Luke chapter 17, uh, I want to talk about verses 9 and 10 before we uh, close out. I'm running out of time as usual. Uh, It says here in Luke 17 and and verses uh, 9 and 10, he says, says, uh, doth he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? He says, I trow not. Uh, So likewise ye, Okay, here, here's the application to us. It's not about God, it's about us. So like, likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants, we have done that which was our duty to do. All right? So the first thing that we want to look at is this. First comes service, then afterwards rest. First comes service, then afterwards rest. Uh, Today, the majority of the churches have this backwards. Uh, They want the rest without the service. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. Uh, We do the service and then comes the rest. Uh, many uh, have become spoiled and, and, and entitled and, and about, about uh, their relationship with God. And I believe much of this can be laid at, the, uh, at their leader's feet. Uh, their leaders do not reverence Christ, and so goes the congregation. Uh, they look at the Lord as someone who exists to serve them, to make, you know, to, to, to give them the rest, uh, 
rather than the other way around. You know, we are to serve and then comes uh, the rest. We're not done with our service until we're either raptured or we lay our head down for the last time. So first comes service, and then afterwards, the rest. Uh, The second thing here that I want to talk about is where he says uh, we are unprofitable servants. Uh, Wow. (laughs) That's pretty rough. Uh, That might uh, go against the grain of of some of us. Uh, This word here, let me me add a little salt into the wound. Uh, This word unprofitable uh, means worthless. We are worthless servants. Now, I'm not a a Greek scholar. I never claim to be a Greek scholar, but you guys know that I like to go to my Strong's Concordance, and I like to look these things up, and I want to see uh, how these things are used. You know, the only other place that this particular word shows up uh, in the New Testament is found in Matthew 25 and verse 30. This word unprofitable, this particular Greek word uh, translated unprofitable. In Matthew 25, 30, it says, uh, this is talking about those who have been given the ten, the ten talents and the five talents and the two talents. Well, this is the fellow with the two talents. He says in Matthew 25, 30, And cast ye the unprofitable, worthless servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Um, what made this servant uh, in the Lord's parable worthless to his master is because he squandered his opportunity uh, to profit his master. That's what he did. He squandered his opportunity to profit his master. Now, this does not mean if a Christian does likewise, uh, that they risk being cast out into outer darkness. No, we are secure in Christ. We're going to go to heaven. Uh, no matter how you, know, how you, how you are, you're, you're going to go to heaven. If you've got uh, Christ in your heart, you've trusted in, in the Lord as your Savior, you're going to heaven. But consider what the Apostle Paul says about those who have squandered uh, their opportunity to serve. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 13, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. Verse 15. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Those are folks who have squandered their opportunities uh, to serve the Lord. Don't be that person who stands before Christ uh, with the smell of smoke on you, having nothing to show uh, for your life, a life, by the way, that was purchased by his life by not serving him, by not... uh, reverencing him as your Lord and in and, and everything that you do doing for the glory of God uh, one final a manner a matter to be said is this uh, quite frankly um, 
there are some who may have a, a bit of a too high of opinion about themselves in their service. Uh, they think themselves a little more important than they really should in their service to God. I, I'm telling you the truth. I honestly overheard a person say this uh, years ago in the hallways of a church. Uh, this person was as serious as a heart attack when he said this, but this is what the person said. He said, uh, God is lucky to have me in his service. That's what the man said. God is lucky to have me in his service. Now, um, allow me to share some words uh, of a man who was a great man in his own right, a man highly regarded among his peers, a man who had the respect of the people uh, whom he led. Listen to what this man had to say. In First Chronicles 29, 13-15, this is what this man had to say. He says, Now therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. But who am I, and what is my people, that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of thee, and of thine own have we given thee. For we are strangers before thee, and sojourners, as were all our fathers. Our days on earth are as a shadow, and there is none abiding. You know who that was? That was King David. Those were the words of King David, that mighty man of valor, that, that beloved king of Israel, that man after God's own heart. And yet, in spite of all of that, David rightly understood his place before the Almighty God, who sits on the throne of heaven. He had a right understanding of his place before God. Uh, sometimes uh, we forget our place. Sometimes we do. We forget our place. Uh, let me uh, quote uh, another man, uh, a man that would run circles around uh, many, many Christian leaders uh, of any day, really. Uh, let me quote from him. 1 Corinthians fifteen nine. he says, For I am the least of the apostles, that I'm not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, <coughs> I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, that influence of God, which was with me. Right? Of course, these are the words of possibly the greatest servant of, of, of Christ that they ever lived, and that was the Apostle Paul. These are just two examples of, of the many that I could provide from God's Word of men and women who were great among their peers, who were, who were great uh, in, in, their, in the way they lived their lives for Christ, but they all had the right perspective in it all. Uh, they rightly reverenced the Lord, and they had a right perspective about themselves, about their place before God, and this gave them a right perspective in their service to God. So we must have this perspective about ourselves and who it is that we serve. Ecclesiastes twelve thirteen through 14 says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep
keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man, for God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be e- or whether it be evil. So uh, this is this this is what it's all about. Uh, we are really unprofitable servants. We have done that which our, was our duty to do. Our service begins and ends with a right perspective that Jesus Christ is our Lord, that He should hold preeminence in all things in our life. And so that's why I say that the key is humility, uh, maintaining a proper biblical attitude uh, concerning ourselves in light of who it is that we serve. I do hope that this was profitable for you guys, and God bless you. I'm going to end in a word of prayer right now, and uh, I pray that God's blessing be on all of you. Father in heaven, Lord God, we thank you so much that you have called us into your service. Father, we know that that comes along with salvation, but sometimes we forget about that. So therefore, Lord God, help us to have that proper heart attitude, uh, Lord God, that we look to you as not only our Savior, but our Lord, and that, Father in heaven, that we would serve you with pureness of conscience, Father, uh, serve you out of love because you loved us first and that Father in heaven that we be willing to sacrifice and give our, of ourselves knowing that Father we can be channels of your love and channels of your grace to those that we serve we thank you and we praise you in Christ's name Amen <clears throat> Okay it's good, good, uh, good to have everybody with us so um, <laughs> I guess this is where I end the video so God bless everybody And we're out.